Are you surrounded by people or are you truly in community with those people? What would you do with an army of raving fans? How would that transform your business? Creating a five-star customer experience is the most important thing that you can do in your business. It will help you stand out, rise to the top, and save you thousands of dollars in marketing. I am obsessed with finding and creating five-star customer experiences. In fact, it's my superpower. On this journey together, you'll hear interviews with business owners at the top of their industries, sharing actionable strategies and tips to improve your customer experience and create your own army of raving fans. I'm your guide, Christine Huey. Welcome to the Five Star Experience Show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Five Star Experience Show. I'm Christine Huey, and today I've got a phenomenal interview for you. I'll be interviewing my friend Ashley Sutterfield, who is the owner of the local table in Northwest Arkansas, and she also is the owner of this amazing experience called The Gathering Table. That's really what we're going to be talking about today during this interview, because Ashley is a master at creating connection. And I think that especially during COVID, especially during these crazy times, creating connection within your business between you and your clients, guests, or customers is something that's going to help you stand out from the competition. There's a lot of amazing nuggets in here, including a little brainstorming sesh that we did at the end. I decided to include that in there because it's a little bit of offline content, but it shows you how she and I brainstorm ideas together. I think that everybody that owns a business should find an Ashley in their life. It definitely is helpful to know somebody that can support you on your entrepreneurial journey. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Christine. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I've been so excited to interview you on my show because what you're doing in Northwest Arkansas is incredible. Thank you. Ashley has built this incredible experience called The Gathering Table, and it stemmed from her food tour called The Local Table, and she is a master at bringing people together and really creating community. So Ashley, why don't you walk us through what is The Gathering Table? How did the concept come about? Yeah, The Gathering Table is an intimate dinner experience built to connect people and create community around food. And we do that with 12 people seated at a dinner table. We serve a family-style meal. And it is different in the sense that the dinner is built around a single topic of conversation. So guests know what topic they're signing up for beforehand, but they come into it knowing that that is what we will discuss all evening. That's so neat. How did you come up with this concept? Yeah, so this was really born out of the realization that no matter what culture we're from, no matter where we're from in the world, we all bond over eating together and we have this connection with one another and it can form into this way to care for one another through food when we eat together. And so the gathering table is this concept that if we can sit together and have a meal, 
I can see you as a human being, despite our differences, despite what we may or may not have in common, we can still create a relationship around this food, around this table together. And so the gathering table is just this belief that we can create community and care for one another by having a dinner experience with strangers. That is so incredible. I have to say that I have met so many people that have either joined the gathering table or know about the gathering table due to somebody that's been before. And I was just amazed that even when I wasn't with you, I met people who knew who you were and said, oh, Ashley, yes, she does the local table and the gathering table. And oh, man, I've been dying to get on one of her experiences. So I know that what you build has this stellar reputation in Northwest Arkansas. Do you mind taking my listeners through what somebody would experience from start to finish if they were to sign up for a gathering table experience? Yeah. So our experience begins before the guest ever signs up. So we want their full experience from the website through the dinner and after the dinner to be cohesive. So the website is really designed to introduce a guest to the topics and to the concept because it's not like any other dinner experience people have been to and trying to explain that this is a dinner with strangers and you're coming together for this topic that we're going to go really in depth on. So we begin with the website and then once a guest signs up, they receive an email just welcoming them to the table. And it's just a greeting to say, we are excited that you're joining us. This is an experience unlike any other, and you will be meeting and building a relationship with complete strangers. And so we begin this coaching with people of introducing them to the rules that we have for the evening. And that is to be open, to share, and to have fun. And we begin curating that and really um, repeating that from the very beginning, that we want that to be ingrained in our guests by the time they make it to the meal. And the week before the meal, we send out another email with that same reminder, be open, share, have fun. And we introduce guests more to the topic. So at that point, we'll send out a few questions to begin brainstorming around to give guests something to reflect on. Um that just brings them more fully to the table with some thoughts. Some of us are more introverted and some are more extroverted. And sometimes we need something to provoke some thoughts beforehand. And so this just kind of eases guests into that. And then the evening of the meal, we host our experiences at a brewery called Bike Rack Brewing here in Bentonville, and they are the epitome of community, and they are an incredible partner that we love to be partnered with. We host in their brew room, so it's a very exclusive experience, and we turn out all the lights and turn on the string lights overhead. When a guest comes in to the experience, they're greeted with a special brew for the evening and they are then seated. And at the table, it's a magical experience because it's an entirely candlelit dinner. And we have over two dozen candles on the table placed within vintage brass candlestick holders. And it's 
just small touches like that that really add to the experience. So the table is laid with a canvas tablecloth, and then over that is a Turkish blue um, hand-stitched tablecloth that is just captivating to guests, and it really adds a lot of curation to our experience. And the table is set up so that it is a square table, not too rectangular tables lengthwise, but rather they're set up side by side so it becomes a square and we don't have to talk down the table to one another. And then the table settings themselves are just really intentional. Um, They are earthenware. They are vintage earthenware. And so they're laid with a hand-stitched napkin that I stitched myself, and it was quite the laborious project. And then even the the cups and the pitchers that we pour from our earthenware, they're local pottery um, from a local maker, or they may be brass, but they're from a vintage brass shop in town. And so we try to bring in all these components of the earth into the meal to help ground us and connect us. And then the table is set for a family-style meal, and this really adds to our experience and creates this bonding from the first minute that guests are seated. Ashley, that is amazing, and I know that part of what makes the experience of the gathering table so special is the intentionality that you put behind every single piece. I would love to dig into this a little bit further. Can you share with me some of the topics that you've chosen for gathering tables in the past? Yes. Some of our favorite topics are, they all go deep. And so this is not meant to be an evening of lighthearted chit chat. This is really about vulnerability and bringing your whole self to the evening so that we can learn your perspective and share perspectives with each other. And so One of the topics that's been so well received is the topic of failure. And this actually shifted my perspective because I think I choose to try to fail fast and fail forward and avoid it if possible. (laughs) And guests really shifted my, my own perspective on this and that the way that they talked about sitting in your failure and really appreciating how it's going to guide you forward and not rushing through it, but rather just embracing it. And moments like that are so beautiful because it's those perspectives that help completely change who we are and what it is, how we view something. And another topic we've had is differences and how differences unite us. We've talked about legacy and how we define our legacy. And each of these is so beautiful because we come from different backgrounds and we have such different perspectives that it's just this offering of who we are is really what it becomes in the conversation. And and that's what becomes magical is when each person brings their own view to the evening. That's incredible. I have to say, I think that bringing strangers together over a meal is one of the most magical things that you can do to begin with. But I'm always so curious, when you bring strangers around a meal like the gathering table, how do you open them up so that they are going to 
be vulnerable. How do you set the stage for that? Yeah. Um, so rules are actually a really great part of a gathering. And if you've not read The Art of Gathering, I would highly recommend it. It really helped me form this perspective on rules for an experience that we appreciate boundaries. Once we have boundaries, we it actually creates freedom. And so creating these boundaries for the experience is so key. So we we have they're simple, they're rigid, but they're not rude. So one of our rules is there's no small talk at the table. We ask that you not chit chat with your neighbor. This is a conversation for the entire table. And if you are chit chatting as the facilitator, I will enforce the rule that please join the rest of the conversation. And sometimes that's a that's a stern thing. You have to figure out the people that are seated at the table and how the guest will react. So there is a lot of intuition in that. But the rules for the evening just help guide us. And so we try to give the parameters where guests know what the boundaries are. For instance, they can get up and leave the table at any point to go to the restroom. We actually don't ask that any cell phones be out. We never mention cell phones at all, but our guests intuitively pick up on how special of a moment this is. And we've never had a guest pull out their phone. We actually, at the beginning, thought that oh, this will be a great moment for guests to capture pictures and to share them on social media. But the very first dinner, we figured out our guests do not take out their phones, so they do not take pictures. And that actually led us to hiring a photographer for every single meal to capture moments for the guest that we can share with them afterwards, but so that they're not feeling the pressure to get pictures themselves. I love that. I just love how intentional you are with every single piece of this. So Ashley, I have to ask, is it tough to keep people from having small talk? Because I think when we meet strangers, that is our natural instinct. So has this been a tough rule for you to enforce? Actually, with strangers, no. When we host a gathering table with complete strangers, no, they're so in tune to the bigger picture and the guests that they don't know that they're they're very present in the moment. We have noticed in our experiences where guests may know each other. Um, we do host for birthday celebrations or anniversary celebrations, and when guests know each other, there is a lot more small talk, and it's it is much more of a challenge to engage that audience. And so I actually find it much easier to host for a group of strangers. There's something about the level of intimacy there that is different than with the group that knows each other already. That is fascinating. I love hearing that. So Ashley, you get a group of 12 people to come around this dinner table and you're serving this beautiful family style meal. Can you explain a little bit more about what the meal entails? Is there anything special about the way that the food is prepared or how it's served with the exception of it being family style? And then how long does this event typically last? Yeah. So I 
I'm a food scientist and a chef by trade. So I'm trained in culinary and choose to do most of the meal myself out of a commercial kitchen that I work out of. But we do feature local partners within the community. And so For instance, we have a local cheese shop who we do a ton of business with, and we really love to promote what they do in the community because we have similar values. So we incorporate their cheeses into the experience, or we have a local uh, Mexican restaurant that we partner with, and we will bring in their salsas and chips for experiences, or... um, we'll have a local baker do the dessert. So we try to bring in and feature one business per meal that really ties guests back to the local community. And we talk about that in the introduction of the meal. And the experience is three hours, which seems like a long time for a dinner with strangers. But We often find that once the evening concludes, guests will stay around for another two to three hours themselves. So we have to create a boundary of this. The experience time is three hours and guests know that coming in. Uh, We structure the meal very specifically and it has a lot of intentionality behind the timing for everything. So we keep that in mind and the three hours actually goes pretty quickly once you're into the meat of everything. That's exciting. So is this meal served as multiple courses or is everything kind of out at the same time? Everything is out at the same time. It makes it easier instead of me stepping away or having additional people in the room to serve. It kind of grounds us in that We're not worrying about multiple courses, but we're simply passing the meal, eating it together. And although the food brings us together, it isn't the feature of the evening. The guests realize, I think, very early on that the conversation is so meaningful, they forget about the food. No matter how incredible the food is, I could ask a guest a day later and they'd be like, ah, what did we eat? Like, I don't remember. (laughs) But I can tell you about that time that someone laughed and I laughed or They cried and I cried. It's those moments that people remember. So the food is the conduit and it's how we attract people, but it's not the feature of the actual experience. That's just so amazing. It's it's amazing the science behind food and the science behind gathering. Like you said, the art of gathering. I've read into that book a little bit and it blew what I've read has blown my mind because I think that there really is an art to bringing strangers and creating community. Now, I know that community is incredibly important to you and that you have created your own very intimate and special community in Northwest Arkansas. Do you mind sharing some of your background as to why community is so important to you? Yeah. So I have lived in Northwest Arkansas for 12 years now. And when I moved here, I was in a corporate position with a really great company and found most of my friendships at that company. And so I really didn't venture out beyond that. Um, But I had really incredible community here, but through my work. And I realized when I was traveling about 95% of the time, and I was home for two days a month, that I needed to 
find a way to create community no matter where I was. And so it became about learning the bus driver's name that drove the Avis bus at the airport or the hotel clerk at the hotel I always went to or finding dinner with people that I worked with when I traveled. And so it was this really intentional movement to try to create community no matter where I was. And I read a book several years ago as I left my corporate job and started my own consulting company, which is a separate business. But when I started that, I had read this book by Melody Warnick called You Belong Here. And she just helped me reframe how I engaged with Northwest Arkansas and began to see the beauty in spending $50 a month at a local shop that would create this personal connection for me or learning the barista's name when I went for a coffee and not just learning their name, but really connecting with them and knowing who they are, what they're into And asking them very intentional questions about those things every time I saw them. Um, It became about walking and biking more and really noticing nature around me. And I think all of these things started to shape my idea of community. And I realized that, oh, I can create this caring community no matter what it is that I do for a living, no matter where I live or where I travel, that community, I can formulate, I can create that. And so when I was back here in Northwest Arkansas, I became very intentional about that. And through conversations in the past couple of years, I began to realize that a lot of people have that same need. It is our human nature to want to connect to community, but we often don't know how. And so the entire experience is built around how do we create a caring community? Let's cultivate community for one another. And here in Northwest Arkansas, we are unique in that so much of our population is transplanted here. None of us are from here. It's very rare to meet someone that says, oh, I'm I'm from Rogers or Bentonville or Fayetteville. Rather, it's, oh, I'm from Indonesia and I moved here for work or I just moved from San Francisco to Bentonville. And to realize that people don't have that connection yet. And how do we create that so that this is home and not just a place that you're staying for a couple of years, but rather a place that you become engaged with and you truly care to be there? That is incredible. I so admire the things that you say. And I believe so wholeheartedly in these things that you're talking about with creating community everywhere. And I think that if everybody could just put 5% of that into practice, that the whole world would be so much more connected. Ashley, I think we know each other well enough and we've been (laughs) friends long enough to know that we both share this idea that creating community and creating community that cares can really change the world. Now, if we have listeners that are new to a city or just want to lean more into their community, what suggestions do you have on how they can do that effectively? Yeah, I think find a place that you want to be a regular. And whether that's a restaurant, a coffee shop, 
a grocery store, a local co-op. Um, it doesn't have to be based around food. I know these are all food examples, but find a place that you want to be a regular and then go be a regular and you will get to know the people. It does take some intentionality in terms of learning people's names and remembering their names. That is a big part of it. And then just asking engaging questions. I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to always create this really stimulating conversation, but realizing that human nature is that we want to talk about ourselves. So if you ask a simple question to someone, they're going to go with it. They're going to talk about themselves. And all you have to do is be a good listener and a great question asker. And you'll begin to connect to community more because of the people that you're meeting. Another thing is an inexpensive thing is to simply start engaging in walking around your neighborhood or your city, whatever that looks like for you. But you will start to see people on a daily basis and you'll be more connected to nature and also to the people that are right around you. And I think we forget that sometimes that, oh, I can engage with the person who lives in my apartment upstairs because I see them every day outside. And I I know it's challenging, but being intentional is really what the next step is. That is what the action is, is to be intentional around community is meeting people in, in its essence. It's building relationships of some kind. And so it's really being intentional about how you meet people and how you engage and build relationships. And those don't have to be deep relationships that you go for dinner three times a week, that can simply be a person that you pass on the street or that you hold a door for going into a store. It becomes as simple as that once you realize that, oh, I feel like I'm a part of something. Ashley, I love that so much. I think that, gosh, one of the coolest things about Nashville and Northwest Arkansas and these areas in the South is if you're willing to put yourself out there, and I think this could be anywhere, you can create community. And it just like you said, I love the fact that you pointed out that when you are out in public and visiting the same places on a regular basis, you're going to start to see the same people. And that can quickly become your community. I want to ask, so we're recording this episode in October of 2020. Um, there is still mask enforcements pretty much everywhere in the U.S. and, of course, social distancing. And I feel like that has created a huge impact on connection. Have you found that during COVID that people are more willing and receptive to connect or are they less willing and receptive to connect? Oh, that's a that's a really good question. And I feel like I hear very different perspectives. Um, one side is that, yes, people are much more ready to connect, but willing is a different word. I think people are still cautious right now about how they connect, but I think there is this desire, this want to elude the loneliness of life and to be connected to other people. Um, but I do think people are being cautious about it and rightfully so. But then I, I do hear the other side of it of 
I kind of like not being as, I think as a society, we have a viewpoint of being in the middle of everything and being busy. We view it the same as having community. And in reality, those are not the same things. But because we've stepped back and kind of taken a slower approach during these past few months, it has, I've heard from friends and in conversation that, well, I don't necessarily want to connect as much as I was because I'm kind of enjoying stepping back from all the things that I was doing. So I think in those moments is when I ask like, are you surrounded by people or are you truly in community with those people? And I think that is the difference when people begin to reflect on that. And they're like, oh, no, I just I work with a lot of people. I'm constantly around people. But no, that's not necessarily my caring community. And yeah, I do crave that. I want to be a part of even if it's a small group of people like I want to be a part of that. And so I think there is a desire to truly connect on a much deeper level. It's just identifying the way to create an experience that allows people to do that. That is the challenge right now. I agree. And I think that you hit the nail on the head to what I've been seeing as well, which is that people want, they're enjoying the disconnection from the busyness of every day. And I think it's opening the door for people to realize that what they're really longing for is this genuine connection, which has been a lot harder to find in our modern world. Yes, that's exactly right. I think it's that genuine, deep connection that we crave, but we haven't been exposed to in life as we have surface level connections. And so I think that is where the fulfillment comes from. And it it is what people I think are craving. I couldn't agree more. So I know that you build these experiences that create this really deep connection very quickly over the course of three hours. How do you then take that either to the next level or how do you, the participants in the gathering table continue their connection after their dinner? Yeah. So every part of our meal is very, very intentional. So once we've concluded the meal portion where everyone's eating, and we typically take about 30 minutes for that. The guests don't know that. That is my timing estimation in the background. Um, Then we begin the conversation. And in that conversation, we begin with a single candlestick that is not lit. And we guide guests in this connection to past experiences, to past guests, and to future guests by saying, this candle is unlit and it was a part of the meal previous to you. And by lighting this candle, we're now connecting you to that gathering table. And at the next experience, you will then be connected to a future guest at the gathering table. And then we pass the candle. This is a part of how we give every guest a voice at the dinner is to ask a question and then we each answer when that candle passes. 
And so once it has made the rounds, it's then placed on the table as another candlestick. But that gives each guest a voice so that when we open up the table for just conversation and we're not calling on anyone or pointing at anyone to be the one to talk, they feel like they have a presence and they have the right to share their perspective already. And so because of that, guests become very deeply connected very quickly in that first moment of passing the candle. Every single dinner we've had, we've had tears. (laughs) And I know that sounds really sad, but they're often just really, it's because there's a vulnerability there that people do not share on a regular basis. And so these tears just come out because they've pent up whatever it is they're saying for so long. And they're finally letting out this part of who they are. And it just flows out of them in tears as well. And the whole table will cry together within the first 30 minutes of our conversation. And it's this incredible bond that you cannot, it's very surreal. It's unexplainable. And it's happened at every meal. And once that happens, then guests want to connect after the meal, no matter what happens the rest of the conversation, they're bonded. And so we give guests the opportunity at the end, we ask them to do three things. And the first is we give them a single card and we ask them to write one word that describes an emotion that they are feeling from the evening or to describe what the experience has meant to them but just a single word. And the intentionality behind this is that science shows that when we write something down in relation to a memory, we remember that memory 90% more than we would if we didn't write something. And so this word capture is simply to ingrain the memory in our guest mind. We want this to become a permanent memory, not just an experience they had. And so the words that guests write often astonish me and humble me. And it's so such an honor to read their responses after dinner. Um, but anything from contentment to united, comforted, appreciated, included, grateful, belonging, and hope. These are all words that come out of the evening. And to me, those are such profound feelings that it it's just an honor to be a part of that for the evening. So we begin with that as a conclusion. And then we ask guests, our call to action is that guests have coffee with one friend who they share their experience with. And this is twofold. It it also ingrains that memory in our guest minds and helps them realize what a magical and special evening it was. And then it also creates word of mouth marketing that is very organic for us. But that that is our second call to action. And then our third is that we give each guest 10 blank cards in a packet and 
there to write whatever contact information they would like on it, whether it is a email, their Facebook profile, their Instagram handle, phone number, whatever it is. They write what they want, and then they're able to exchange those cards amongst themselves. And with this, guests can then connect after the meal. And so a really common experience is that when I bump into a guest who's come to dinner out and about, they'll be with another guest at coffee. And I'll be like, hey, you got, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we we exchanged numbers at dinner the other night and we wanted to have coffee today. And so they're grabbing coffee and having this experience. Or I'll have guests call and tell me like, hey, we just had John and Susie over for dinner last night and we wanted to thank you for like introducing us at dinner. And it's like, oh, that wasn't me introducing you, but that is what the experience is, is that you're now curating relationships beyond just this dinner. And you're creating this caring community. And it it's very natural. It's very organic that the way it comes out of the meal. It is so magical that you have taken this idea of community, which is so close and near and dear to your heart, and you've found a way to create a business that intentionally creates the same caring community on smaller levels, which then creates it on a bigger level. It just... Ashley, you blow my mind. And I think that what you do is exceptional. I also think, so since this is a business podcast, I want to dive into this a little bit more. And I think that most businesses, and I dare say all businesses, I hate to use generalizations, but I think that most businesses can stand to improve by creating better connections with their customers. Do you have any thoughts or suggestions on how businesses might be able to implement some of the amazing strategies that you've done in the gathering table into their businesses? Yeah, absolutely. I think one, listening to your guests and truly understanding, like they have great ideas and their brain is better than just your one brain. And so a lot of the ideas that we've curated for our meals have come out of guest recommendations or thoughts that they've said, hey, we want to connect afterwards, but you didn't create a way for us to do that in the first one. So how are you going to fix that in the future? <laughs> and um, But really listening to them is key. I think also when you realize your customers have an emotional human need and not just a product or a service need, when you can identify what that emotional need is, you can begin to serve that need. And that creates your raving fans. Those are the people who are going to come back time and time again and be not just a loyal customer, but they are going to be the people who talk about you to everyone they know about anything they can, they're going to be like, oh, well, you should go see them. They have this incredible experience that you need to be a part of. And they may not know why they're referring it. Like the experience could be mediocre. It's the way you serve the emotional need of that person that really is what takes it to the next level for the customer. That is beautiful. It absolutely hits the nail on the head. So Ashley, I want to dive into two pieces that you just said. First of all, you mentioned getting a feedback loop. So getting feedback from your customers. Do you have any suggestions on how business owners and their team 
can create this feedback loop with their customers or their guests so that they can provide a safe place for them to get feedback. Yeah, I think it's understanding who your customer is and the type of relationship they want with you that they expect from you. Um, And so, for instance, for the gathering table, it is such an intimate experience that the expectation from guests is not that I send an email afterwards trying to capture their thoughts. Like at this point, we've cried together. So they want more of a connection. Um, And so I find that for our guests, it becomes, hey, I would love to grab coffee with you and hear what you felt at dinner and what that meant to you. How did it impact you going forward in life? And whether that's coffee or having a meal together again, it's a one-on-one face-to-face experience. But I do think it's appropriate for some businesses to send an email asking for feedback or to gather feedback through reviews online. If you have truly cultivated your guests to be empowered to give you a a review that is impactful, then you'll get a lot of information from that. You will begin to understand, oh, well, they thought that I need to improve on my timing or um, they really appreciated the type of customer service we have, but here's some areas we can improve. I think when guests have that personal connection to you, that is when they'll begin to open up. No matter what avenue you ask for feedback is not as relevant as how the guest feels like they can talk to you. Um, so whether you're an Airbnb host who provides incredible experiences, if your guests feel like they've already connected with you through the way you communicate in Airbnb and then they've stayed with you, they're more willing to write a review. And then in their personal feedback to you in the review, they'll say, hey, here's some things that I think you could do differently that you could place a table in this corner and it would actually create a really incredible experience for guests to have a place to set their coffee cup. And just little things like that, that guests will begin to feed you information without you asking for it if they feel comfortable with you in order to do that. Oh, I think that's awesome. Thank you for that great suggestion. Now, the second thing I want to dig into is I I really love what you said about identifying the emotional need that your customers or guests have and then doing your best to fill that need. Do you have any suggestions as to how business owners can identify what that general need is of most of their customers beyond the product or service that they offer? Yeah. I Well, I do think this is a, a lengthy process, I will say. It's not just a quick, oh, my my customer, I provide car repairs and my customer has a car that's broken down. It goes back to my customer is distressed and this is a really hard moment for them. They don't know where they're going to find another ride if I take a longer time on their car. And it's beginning to realize the pain points, I think, for your customers that go beyond just providing a service. So if you can identify 
how it is that they feel when they come to you or what it is that they need from you, then you'll start to get towards that emotional need. Well, Ashley, I've always thought that your superpower is connecting with people and creating community. And I think that it's what has made your business so special. Do you think that every business can benefit from cultivating and creating connection and community between the owners and their guests? I believe so, because it lends itself towards when you're in business, you are trying to create those raving fans. And those are going to be the people who are your biggest marketing with the least dollars invested. And so if you're creating community, you're going to naturally create those raving fans. So I think from a business perspective, it does benefit a business to be intentional about creating community. And obviously that doesn't have to look like a dinner experience or something as intimate as we do. It could be a Facebook group or someplace where your guests come or your customers come to congregate. It could even be a membership that you create for your customers. And once a year you get that group of members together to have a have a meal together or to meet in person. I see this, um, for instance, with our local food co-op. We are member-based and we come together twice a year for a business meeting, but it's a potluck meal and we get to know people in the community at those meetings. And I think it's beneficial for any business, no matter whether your customers are based in your area or they're tourists coming to your area from out of state, you can still cultivate community through the way you engage your customers and the way you help them engage with one another. Um, and I think it does benefit a business tremendously because it will I think it will spur your growth so much when you have community built into your business. I couldn't agree more with that. Well, Ashley, in closing, I want to hear what's next. So I know that COVID has disrupted the idea of being able to dine with strangers, especially family style, which I know is a huge part of what you do at the gathering table. During this time of change, what do you feel like is next for the gathering table? Good question. Yeah, I think I'm I'm still sitting with that. Um, the way I run my businesses and the way the gathering table has taken life is very much intuition-based. And I have this theory that I am committed to the journey, but I'm not attached to the outcome. And so as I sit with the gathering table over the past year, it has this ability to become what it wants to and when it wants to. It did not launch in the time period I wanted it to. It launched when it was supposed to. Um, same with the way it has all come together. Every single tweak and change we make at a dinner is when it's supposed to happen and how it's supposed to happen. And so it becomes this engaging experience 
between myself and the gathering table and trying to listen to the intuition of when and where and how. And so as we look at starting back up, I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but I'm excited about the 2.0 version that you and I have talked about over the past few months that our businesses have quieted down and gone into this hibernation and it can feel daunting to restart it, um, to realize like, oh, I got to get legs back under this thing. But there's this beauty in saying, this is where we left off and this is what it was. Now, what are the things that can make it an even better experience? How do I start to incorporate those things? And I get to launch it from an even higher level of experience than it was before. And so I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm extremely excited to see what it's going to become. That is amazing. And there's one piece that you highlighted here, and I'm so glad that you said it because you mentioned this to me early on during this COVID shutdown. And it's something that I've had to remember many times during our 200 days of closure. And that is being committed to the journey, but not being attached to the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I think that as a business owner um, and as a human, I think that it's natural to be attached to the outcome, to be attached to providing these amazing experiences and having guests and even mourning what was lost. Mm Because I think a lot of the business owners that are listening to this podcast, they are in the midst of figuring out what their 2.0 version of their business is. And I just think that that little piece of information is so important. And if you're willing to, can you expand a little bit more on that? So I think that committed and not attached has just become such a mantra for me over the past few years. And it has started to serve me very well. And I did not realize how in handy it would come during 2020. But really this thought that I can really be dedicated to something. I can really be dedicated to the gathering table. And we're not doing anything with it right now. But I'm I'm dedicated to it. And I'm dedicated to the creative side. I'm like always thinking about what it could be. And I think this is where dreaming comes in is to say, oh, like, this, this is the dream, or this was the dream. Now I either have to let that die, or I get to dream bigger. There's two very different ways to look at it. And so I do think the grieving of what it could have been is a part of it. But sitting with it and realizing I get to dream even bigger now, like we've proven the concept Now I can expand on that and go so much further. And it becomes this this dream that I'm committed to. But I'm not, I obviously realize I don't have control. And I shouldn't say obviously because this is a daily learning lesson. (laughs) But I, (laughs) I don't have control to how it is actually going to turn out. But I can keep taking every small step forward to push it towards that dream and I'll get somewhere in the vicinity. I don't know exactly what that will be. And it, 
it likely is not going to be the that exact thing, but I'll be in the general vicinity of what that dream w- looked like when I first dreamt it. And so it's just this idea that we take consistent steps to move forward with whatever the task is towards a bigger goal. And that bigger goal is what can move. That is the piece that can morph and change and become what it's supposed to. But if we're taking small steps consistently, it will get us towards that goal. Ashley, that is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I have a little bit of insight because we are friends and we've had been friends for so long. And you have mentioned, I don't know if you're willing to share it here in such a public platform. I would love for you to talk about the solo gathering table experience that you've been mulling around in your head. Are you willing to share that with the world yet? Absolutely. I'm willing to share it. I still don't know what it's becoming. So this is uh, back to that idea of like, oh, it's a dream and it's a vision um, and we'll see what it becomes. But there's this idea. So one thing to note about me is that I'm single, no kids. Um, It's just who I am. And I really love moments of reflection and I do love my alone time. I I have this ambivert personality that I love to engage with people and then I really need my alone time. Um, and so I realized there's a lot of people in the world out there who would really enjoy a solo dining experience. And especially during COVID, we're really craving experiences, but there's also a caution behind that, right? And so this idea that we could go dine out in nature at a, a table for one, and it becomes this experience that is just as magical as being with other people. And I think the part that I'm I'm still contemplating is how do you create community in that? And because that is such a large part of what we do, how do we continue to cultivate that in a a solo dining experience. I think maybe it comes back to the connection to nature and the connection to oneself rather than community of other people. I think it lends itself towards allowing someone to go really deep with themselves and create this magical experience where they realize that they're not alone in the world. This is still a way to connect. And it provides this incredible experience for guests that they take away and want to share. They want to share that feeling with other people, I think is the end goal. I think that's so cool. Thank you so much for sharing that with my listeners. As a side note, but I have like a really cool idea for you. Yes, please. You always have cool ideas. I get really excited when you are inspired for one. (laughs) I'm like, whoo, I got a cool thing. What if part of the solo experience is at the end, you write the person who's doing the experience writes a letter to the next person and they sign it with just their first initial. I'm writing this down. Oh my goodness. And so that's how it's connected. I have goosebumps right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I just think it's so cool. (laughs) And you can prompt it with like, yeah. What's something that you learned and what do you hope for the next person? Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I just think that's so cool. Thank you. That's beautiful. 
Oh, that almost brings me to tears to think about. <laughs> I think the same the same thing. I yeah, I think that that is would be super powerful. And I love the idea and the concept that it's a person, like it's a human that's writing this letter mm-hmm. and it's in their handwriting and it's their thoughts. But if they just sign it with their initial, it's still anonymous. Yes. Yeah. So it's like a connection, but like, you know, people could, it could bring that vulnerability because nobody's going to know who the person is. Exactly. And I think it creates this almost larger connection too, right? Because when you don't know who a letter's from or who a gift is from, then you almost suspect everyone and it creates this like, oh, it could be that person. And maybe I could make their day by doing this. And it almost makes you a more generous person because you're always on the lookout for who you think it could be that wrote you the letter. Yeah. Like every time you met somebody with an A name, like you'd be like, oh, like, oh, Ashley, could it have been that person? Yes. Oh my goodness. I think that's the thing to tie it together. That's kind of what I've been waiting on is like, what is it that is the conclusion? Like, what is the tying together of the experience to other people? Oh, I'm so excited for this. So whenever you launch a solo experience, please let me know uh, for a couple of reasons. First, I want to go to Bentonville so I can do it. And second, so that I can update the show notes and let my listeners know that this has actually happened because I have a feeling that this is going to take off and be just a whole new journey with what you're already doing. Thank you. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what it wants to become. I have to say that Ashley, us being friends, first of all, has just been amazing. (laughs) And second of all, I just, you take this, you've taken this time and and really you and I have been friends through a lot of uncertainty Mm -hmm. Um, and we, you were with me through the entirety of me building my business. And I think one of the coolest things is you take this time of uncertainty. And when I talk to you, you get me excited. Whereas I may come into the conversation feeling very apprehensive or disappointed in current events and current situations. And I talk to you and you, by the end of the conversation, I'm like, oh, well now I'm actually excited. (laughs) And I just, that is just so magical. So if you're looking for more inspiration, uh, Ashley is your girl. I just got to tell you. (laughs) Well, thank you. I do think there's just such a beauty to finding those peers in the entrepreneurial world that we can connect with and dream with. And it speaks volumes to, I think, the way our friendship has formed is we just feed one another and it becomes this um, really incredible partnership over time where You just can't wait to tell the other person like, oh, I have this idea that I think might be perfect for you. Um, But I think we all need those encouragers in our lives, especially as entrepreneurs, that it's such a solo experience and it can be very daunting at times. And so creating those friendships and those partnerships where you have someone not just to encourage you, but to give you a different perspective and offer this idea that, hey, you could you could look at it this way, or what if you looked at it this way? And it can completely shift the way that the direction that we're going with our businesses in such a positive way. I couldn't agree more. 
And I wish I could direct people to a place where they could just find a ton of Ashleys. I don't know what that looks like, but I definitely want to encourage the listeners to reach out and find a community. Uh, We will probably be starting a Facebook group surrounding Five Star Experience. That will be a great place to meet other business owners. And I will keep you posted on those things. Now, I I like to end every interview with one kind of big overarching question. If you were going to tell a business owner how to improve their customer experience by creating more connection and community, what would be your overarching advice? Be intentional. Really find what it is that your customers are looking for from that emotional perspective and be intentional with every ounce of experience that you're creating for them and train your team in a way that they understand the importance of that intentionality as well. And it becomes a part of your culture in the end that will have such an impact on your customer experience because they can feel that intentionality behind it. Well, Ashley, you are brilliant. Thank you so much for taking time today to be on the podcast and for sharing all of your incredible wisdom with my listeners. Thank you for having me. I've loved every minute of it. One last thing. If our if our listeners want to connect with you, what is the best place for them to do that? Yeah. So we're not on social at the moment. I've taken a personal break and that means the business has taken a break as well. And so you can reach me best at my email, which is ashley at the local table nwa.com. Excellent. I will go ahead and link that in the show notes. Thank you again, Ashley, for joining us. And I could not appreciate your friendship more. Thank you, Christine. Wasn't that a great episode, guys? So like I said, I think everybody needs to have an Ashley on their entrepreneurial journey. So who do you know that also owns a business that you can brainstorm together, work through problems together, uh, celebrate wins, and vent on the bad days? So hopefully you have somebody like that in your life. And if not, stay tuned. I've got some big news coming up. We're going to be starting the Five Star Experience Facebook page very soon. And so that will be a place where you can connect with other small business owners. All right, without further ado, here are the takeaways from today's episode. Number one, fail fast and fail forward. Sit in the failure and embrace it. Decide how you're going to propel forward from this failure. Number two, you can create community wherever you are. Number three, be intentional about how you build relationships. Number four, when you write a word to describe a memory or experience, you will remember 90% more than if you did not write down a description of the experience. Number five, listen to your guests' needs. Try to fill their emotional human need. Number six, creating a caring community will contribute to creating raving fans. And number seven, find people that you can dream with and be in community with on your entrepreneurial journey. Well, guys, that's what I have for you today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please do a couple of things for me. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we have a new episode at the Five Star Experience Show. And number two, if you enjoyed what you heard, I would love for you to leave a rating or a review. It's pretty easy. only takes you about 20 seconds. Go be exceptional, and we'll see you next week.